thank you, leadership team, for the opportunity to speak this morning. Um, but let's turn to uh, Luke, the 17th chapter. Verse 11, the word of God reads, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you didn't leave us here to figure it out on our own. That God, by your divine providence, you left us with your eternal word. And we thank you for it. We thank you that it, it gives us instruction. We thank you that it, it lifts our spirit. That it, 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 it just encourages us when we need to be encouraged. That it rebukes us when we need to be rebuked. That your word is able. Your word is able. That it's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing on the way in, piercing on the way out. That your word is life, that it's a living water. It's life, it's living, and we thank you for it. And so God, as we delve into the text this morning, God, I pray that, that you would speak. That you would speak to the depths of who we are. That you would enrich us with your word. That you would change us by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, it's a familiar passage of scripture, um, but it's, it's one that I hold dear to my heart. Is that me? Or... No? Does anyone hear that noise? No. No, there's like a... Forget it. <laughs> Sounds like a computer trying to shut something down. I wanted to do it with me. Um, but in... It's a text that I hold dear to my heart. Um, and we'll, I'll show you. I'll tell you why. But here's Jesus. He's... We're at... Close to the end of his ministry. Um... It's, it's not, not long from now he's, he's going to be tried, he's going to be convicted, he's going to be hung on a cross to die. And he's beginning his march towards Jerusalem. And at this point in time, a lot of people have heard the name Jesus. Maybe you didn't know where you stood with him. Maybe you didn't believe he was God and the declarations he was making, but you knew there was something about this man. He wasn't just an ordinary man. There was something about him. The Pharisees would chalk it up that his power came from the devil himself, while others were believing that he was the Messiah to come. 
but you knew there was something about Jesus. You couldn't be indifferent towards him. And as he's passing between these two cities, he's, he's making his way, and he says that he's traveling between Samaria and Galilee. He's, he's on this, this road, and there were ten men who saw him at a distance, it says. Now look, they didn't have Facebook back then. You know what I'm saying? They didn't, they didn't know what Jesus looked like. But they saw this man, and maybe they, they counted the number of people that were traveling with him, and they said, hey, there's a guy, he, he strikes me as different. He's traveling with 12 people. Could that be Jesus? Could that be the Jesus of Nazareth that we've been hearing about? The man with great power. The man who we've heard the tales of the blind seeing, the the lame walking, the deaf receiving, hearing. Could that be him? You see, these men were in a predicament. They had a, a situation. They were stricken with leprosy. Now, if you don't know what leprosy is, it was probably one of the worst things that could have happened to you. It's a disease that would begin to consume your flesh from the outside. It would eat away at you in a way that was so evident to everyone else around you. And so, cultures, other cultures had it too because it was contagious, but there was a, the Jewish law in dealing with this was you had to go. If you were stricken with this disease, leprosy, if the priest came and looked at you and said, yeah, you got it, then you could no longer be a functioning member of society. You had to leave everything that you once held dear behind. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Ben-Hur. Not the new one, the old one. I haven't given my time to the new one. I don't think it's worth it. But there's a scene in in the movie where he's, he goes out to this leper colony to, to visit his mother and his sister who were accursed with this disease. And he's bringing them food. And if you've seen that movie, that's the visual I kind of want you to hold in your head. This community of people who were cursed with this disease. Because that's how it was, it was seen. It wasn't just a physical affliction. If you came down with this, it was seen ultimately as a curse from God in the Jewish culture. Like, man, what did you do to offend God that this would happen to you? What did, man, you must have done something bad. There it is again. All right, I'm not the only one. All right, good. Um, That's no way to live life. I can kind of envision these people. They're they're kind of in this camp outside of Jerusalem or outside their city, and here comes the feast season. The city is glowing with lights. There's music echoing in the background, and there you are, kind of on the outside, look, he, looking in a little bit. You see the glow in the background. You hear the, you hear the sounds of music and celebration. And you remember, man, what it was like to be back with my family. 
man, what it, what it was like to be home again. Oh, I miss the feasts. But this becomes your life, and eventually you learn to accept it. You learn to live with it. So what do you do? You, you find people in the same predicament that you're in to find some level of comfort. And then you just kind of carry on with life. Pretty hopeless that things will ever change. Kind of stuck just trying to figure out how you're going to just get by to the next day, how you're going to eat, how you're going to survive, how you're going to keep warm. But here comes Jesus. But here walks the Christ. And maybe there's a flicker of hope that wells up in these men. You can almost hear him say, Is that, could that be Jesus? Did you hear what he did for, the, for, that, for Barnabas? Did you, hear what he, did you hear what he did for this guy? Did you hear what he did for this one? Maybe the stories are true. Hey, what do we have to lose? And so they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You see, when they did this, they weren't in Jesus' face yelling at him. They were at a distance. Jewish law, you had to announce yourself if clean people seemed to be in your close proximity. You had to kind of make this verbal announcement. Unclean! Unclean! Don't come anywhere near me. You don't want what I have. And so these these men lived life with this quasi-sign held above their head. This label. Look at this big cardboard sign that said unclean, unworthy, cursed by God. Disaster. Unclean. And they cried out to Jesus to have mercy. Have mercy. Jesus approaches them and and tells them, to go and to show themselves to the priests. He tells them to take a walk. He didn't heal them. These men were still afflicted with the same disease as they cried out to Jesus with. Jesus, his solution to their problem was to go and to show yourself to the priest to take a walk. These men, they they took a walk. They began to put one foot in front of the other and head in the direction of the city. In order to be deemed clean and allowed back into society, you just couldn't walk back in and say you were healed. You had to go show yourself to the high priest, and the high priest had to give you the one-up, kind of, you know, look you over and make sure that this curse was lifted from you. And it says, as these men walked towards the city, they were cleansed. You know, me, I'm picturing the thing in my head, and it's like, you know, they're walking, and, you know, Mike looks over to, to John and says, hey, John, hey, you, dude, your ear's back. Oh, hey, there it is. Looks over at Matt and says, Matt, dude, you got ten fingers again. There's joy welling up within them. 
as they're believing in what Jesus said, as they're beginning to put one foot in front of the other and head in the direction that Jesus told them to walk, healing is beginning to take place. It didn't happen when they met Jesus. The healing happened as they were moving in the direction that Jesus told them to go. And all of a sudden, they're, be, they're being healed. And Jesus was removing, God was removing this label that had been a curse on their lives. And he was discarding it. And they were cleansed. One of them, he's so overwhelmed with joy. Like, man, this is great. That he puts the part about seeing the high priest on hold. All of a sudden, to this one man, getting back into the city and the routine of things just went to the back burner. It took second place. And he left the nine behind on their journey. And he runs back and falls to the feet of Jesus and worships. Worships him. Jesus tells him to stand. And he tells him that to go. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith, right? So, so here's the thing. I don't know if you know this or not, but we all have these big cardboard signs on our heads. Whether they're evident to people around us or not, they're there. There are things in our life that hover over us, that we carry with us. Things that happen in our childhood, things that happen, things that we've done. Whether they're seen by others or not, it doesn't change the fact that they're there. Some of us have these signs, and it's evident. My, my sign was evident. There was no second guessing that I was a hot mess. I'll, and I'll never forget, I sat before a judge. I was like 19. And the judge, like, I mean, just yelled at me in full courtroom and said, your, your life is, you'll never amount to nothing. And if you go by the record that he was reading, I mean, I can see why he made that, that assessment. I don't fault him for it. But the saddest thing about that was I believed it. The saddest thing about that moment wasn't what the judge said to me. It wasn't that he wasn't trying to give me any hope. It was the fact that I was accepting and all right with my current situation. All right. On to the next thing. And I remember sitting in a jail cell. I was, uh, I was 20. And it was kind of like the last hurrah for me. Like I, I tried to live life with two feet in two different worlds. And I always tried to keep one foot in, in this world so I could kind of get back on track eventually. Um, and when I found myself in the cell, um, I kind of made this declaration in my head. I was like, all right, well, this is it, Jonathan. This is your life. This is it. And I accepted the situation that I, had, that I was in. Just like these men. You become accepting of the situation that you're in. But then comes Jesus. But then comes Jesus. And all of a sudden, things change a little bit. Maybe there's a little hope. 
But I'll never forget the day that I cried out to Jesus to save my life. And all the stuff that I believed about myself, all the things that I carried around, all the labels, all the signs, they simply went away. That's the hope of the gospel. It truly doesn't matter what your situation is. It really doesn't matter what you've been through. It really doesn't matter how bad the label above your head is, really is. What matters is the power of Jesus Christ to save. What matters is the power that Jesus has to change lives. That he comes and just discards it and says, listen, my son, my daughter, that's irrelevant to what I could do. It's irrelevant to what I can do in you. And the only thing that Jesus asks us to do is take a walk. He's not asking you to heal yourself. He's not asking you to be a better person, to discard your sign. He's asking you to take a walk, to simply believe in what he says and walk and put one foot in front of the other and walk. Because you see, if it was up to us to remove the signs, we're completely unable to do so. There are things that haunt us. There are things in our lives that we hover over. There are things that we struggle with. There are sin issues. There are things that just plague us, and we try, we try, we try to deal with us and deal with these things in our own strength, and we fail, we fail, we fail, and we come to church, we go to, we listen to this, we listen to that, and we're just constantly running in this circle because we're not walking it out in faith. Because we're not believing in what Christ said. There is nothing. Hear me. There is nothing that is beyond the cross of Christ. There is no affliction. There is no sin. There is no guilt. There is no shame that is greater than what Christ accomplished at Calvary. And you see, when he says to the, to the man who comes back and he says to him, he says, go your way, your faith has made you well. That's really the key to this entire thing. It's that even, even the other nine, as, as seemingly as, I don't want to, the Bible doesn't say, I don't want to say they were ungrateful, but getting back into the regular routine of things seemed to be a little more important than thanking the one who healed them. Um, but even they had faith. It's why they were healed. They believed in Jesus. They believed in the words that Jesus spoke. And that's all that's required of us is to have faith, is to believe in what Jesus said, is to believe the words that Jesus spoke and walk with them and put one foot in front of the other when we don't see it. These men, they were, they were, they were, they were still stricken with leprosy. They were still missing limbs and, and pieces of their flesh was hanging off. And if they made it into the city, hear me here, if they made it into those city gates or that city threshold and they were still stricken with leprosy, the punishment for that would have been death. They would have been moved alongside outside of the city and had rocks hurled at them. And so these men were moving in a direction and believing that that something was going to change under the threat of death. Don't minimize that. 
That's how much they were risking. Jesus asked us just to take a walk with them. We don't have some of the persecutions that are around the world. And I, and I, I say to myself, man, maybe we do sometimes. Maybe that needs to spur us a little more because it's so hard for people to simply walk. Yeah, all these uh, self-help books and seven ways to do this, eight ways to do that. And God is just like, man, just walk. Just believe. Just walk. It's not that complicated. And so this message, when I said that it was dear to my heart, is, I mean, it's, it's my story. It's my life. It's, right, it's all right there. I just started walking. Didn't know where I was going. If you told me 15 years ago that I'd still be here, I'd, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm still in shock. Whenever I have to add up all the years that I've been around, I'm like, man, still? I didn't know. I just wanted to walk with Jesus. I just wanted to walk with God. I just wanted to be along his side and, and, and figure this thing out as I went. But he's able. The same power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave is the same power that saves lives. Glad tidings. I thank you again just for the opportunity to present and share the ministry and what's happening at Teen Challenge um, and the opportunity to speak with you this morning um, with the scriptures. Um, Again, words can't express how grateful I am for the opportunity. Thank you.